It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. A special book, Preaching as Reminding, Stirring Memory in an Age of Forgetfulness. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I know who we have in the program. My memory here. Dr. Jeffrey Arthurs is our special guest, and he is Professor of Preaching and Communication at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Just kidding. I know who you are. Welcome to the program. Hi, Michael. Good to uh, meet you and your listeners. Absolutely. So you wrote an interesting book. A lot of research went into this as far as really the mind uh, reminding God wants us to know his word. And why is reminding such a big part of your book? Well, uh, I discovered in my research that um, preachers not only teach new things, which is important, of course, we not only persuade and try to move people, convince them uh, as an apologist, but that's important, too. Mm -hmm. We not only exhort and uh, equip and coach, that's important, but we also simply remind people. We just tell them things they already know, because we tend to forget, don't we? (laughs) Well, it's true. And all through the scriptures, the Lord is reminding. And so uh, what did you learn out of writing this book about, about reminding? What are the three main things? Oh, boy, I learned a ton. Uh, one thing I learned from my uh, study of memory in the Bible, which was very rich, uh, by the way, is that uh, this this reminding function is a legitimate, uh, modeled, honored uh, uh, function of one, one thing that ministers do. For example, you have uh, Moses in Deuteronomy. He didn't tell them anything new. He just said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm leaving you now. You're going to go into the promised land without me, so please remember. And he recounted then uh, the covenant of God. The prophets were reminders. They really didn't say anything new. They just said, hey, here's the covenant, and if you keep it, blessings, and if you break it, uh, curses. Choose you this day. And we see that kind of reminding in the epistles also. Uh, Peter said, uh, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. So that was a big takeaway for me, that this is a modeled, uh, prescribed uh, activity that ministers do. Mm-hmm. Well, mentioning earlier that you're a professor of preaching and communication, of course, at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. So if you had a school, some of the pastors... <laughs> Where do where do they go wrong sometimes when it comes to to preaching? I mean, this is a book for them, no doubt, right? It's for pastors right, and for right. for students yeah. as well, and uh, and maybe even for just the people in the in the pews to remind their pastors, uh, perhaps. But um, what do you think? How would you how would you dictate or educate some of the pastors? And and, and loaded question. And where do they go wrong sometimes in their preaching? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I have had a number of people who are not pastors, so lay people, uh, express interest in the book. Oh, I've got to read that. It just came out in early November. I've got to read that. Boy, that sounds fascinating. So I hope that it will be interesting uh, for people that don't preach regularly. But as you said, uh, it's primarily for pastors and preachers and teachers. Well, where do they, where do we, let's, let's put it in the first person plural, where do we go wrong? <laughs> One way we go wrong is 
we're sometimes are almost enslaved uh, to the idea that we have to be original. But as I say, you, you don't see that with Moses. You don't see that with the prophets. That's true. Uh, yeah. So uh, if, if any of your listeners feeling like, oh, I, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, you don't. Uh, just just give us that old wheel. <laughs> All of our <laughs> listeners come to on Sunday morning uh, with a song in their heart. They may not know the song is in their heart, but it's in there. And it goes like this. Tell me the old, old story. I love that story. Yeah, I like that. Jesus. You were going to sing, though. You were you were getting ready for that. I won't stop you. <laughs> okay. I'll join you in a duet. I mean, it's, you know, you, I, I know there's a singer in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know something? Uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, I, I think about the same thing. The, the Lord tells us, you know, certainly uh, he used Paul to, to tell us, I believe, that you don't have to... Like you just said, just preach the word. Just preach right. the word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to people. And sometimes you wonder, you know, those congregations where the pastor just faithfully preaches the word of God. He's not concerned about just how many people he could, you know, wrangle up there and uh, he, and the numbers and all that. And, and it's just giving out the word of God and, and reminding us. But do you think that um, sometimes the reminders aren't really there? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's a, a second um, place we go wrong, and that is we, we don't remind well. Uh, you know, reminding can be boring, blah, 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 like Charlie <laughs> Brown's teacher, you yeah. know. And reminding <laughs> lives in the same neighborhood with nagging, <laughs> as parents know, as children know. <laughs> so we have to... We have to remind well, and that's why the subtitle, How to Stir Memory mm -hmm. in this Age of Forgetfulness. And so we stir it with effective delivery, effective vivid language, story, narrative testimony, and uh, with ceremonies, particularly with uh, the Lord's Supper. But it has to be done well. It has to, you have to put some thought and effort into it. Well, you mentioned that. Let's go to that chapter. That's uh, page 115, as a matter of fact. Delivery, how to work yeah. it. So you talk about that, and the first thing that you say is start with yourself. The first person to wade into the waters of memory should be the preacher, and then he or she beckons the covenant community from the depths. Yeah. So That's start nice. with now, yourself. That was nicely written, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you, good job. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, so the I <laughs> excuse me. The idea is, in order to uh, to reactuate this thing people already know, you know, to bring it to the surface, to to, uh, to fan the embers until they glow again. Uh, one of the best ways to do that is for you yourself to glow warm, and the the, the research is very conclusive. That when we, we, we deliverers, we preachers, uh, public communicators, when we express our own love, passion, you know, whatever our uh, emotional state is, then the listeners catch fire. They mm -hmm. mimic or, or what people use the word empathy. We empathize with uh, with that public uh, communicator. Yeah, you mentioned um, 
Well, it says don't mimic them. That's something you mentioned. I think a lot of people... I, there's one guy used to be in radio, and I just did this imitation of the guy, really. I never really found yeah. my own voice. It was awful. And um, so do you ever find that where in school you tell somebody, hey, look, you're not Billy Graham. Just be you. Don't try That's to mimic. Right. Yeah. That's right. We, we want to borrow from 10 or 50, and you will still be yourself that way. You know, just taking this aspect and that aspect and this idea. But if you borrow from one, you'll just sound like a bad copy. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times, I guess you could, I could imagine that pastors don't want to be reminded of how they actually come across. You mentioned watch yourself on video, and that video is a great schoolmaster. And painful though it can be, you say that video shows us what the congregation sees and hears. And uh, do we kind of think, oh, I'm beyond that, and we don't, we don't need to really um, investigate or look with such detail about what the pastor is doing? I mean, do they have to be reminded, too? I think so. Uh, pastors, and I'm sympathetic because uh, pastors are cranking out sermons. You know, those Sundays roll around with amazing regularity. <laughs> One uh, preacher, Haddon Robinson, used to say, yeah, they come around every three or four days. <laughs> so I'm sympathetic that a pastor uh, is just in a routine and just, you know, cranking out those sermons. But this book exhorts and encourages to step back from that routine and give a little thought to your preaching. In this case, uh, the, the point you're bringing up, uh, your delivery. Watch That's yourself right. on video. Oh, it's a great schoolmaster. We just don't know what we look like and what we sound like. Yeah, people may say, hey, Pastor, you got to part your hair a little bit. And uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're too particular sometimes, you know, and hard on the pastor. But you say, speak extemporaneously as well. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, there are different uh, modes of delivery. There is a, a memorized where, you know, you memorize it word for word, or there is manuscript where you read it, you know, the exact words right off of the page, uh, like the president giving a State of Union address. And then there is extemporaneous. That's a step uh, below manuscript. And that means you, you've prepared extensively. You've done your work. You have developed an outline. You may have even written out a manuscript you don't carry it with you into the pulpit. You just speak from notes. So it's prepared, it's orderly, you're not going to forget things, but it's also conversational. It's thought on fire. And you mentioned also that it stirs up the heart, reminding. And uh, the Lord talks about that, really, the whole person, the whole heart. And so take that uh, and run with it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is one of the other uh, great uh, lessons I've learned and, and it is that memory, biblically speaking, memory is not just cognition. Uh, you know, I forgot your name or, or you remember to pick up milk on the way home today. Uh, it's not less than cognition, but it's more than that. It is a whole person activity of the mind, also the emotions and even volition. For example... Uh, the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me this day. He didn't just mean, you know, cognitively recall, blah, blah. He meant favor me, uh, uh, think about me, uh, bless me. 
Um, Hannah in the Old Testament prayed um, for a child, and the Bible says the Lord remembered her. So it's almost a synonym for blessing. It's it's a volitional, emotional, cognitive activity. So let's just say in a perfect world, us Christians, you know, we, we remember God's word. What would that do to everyone's heart if, if there was more reminding going on in the uh, in the pulpits? Yeah, if it, if we had more uh, biblical deep memory, it would uh, obviously be a mental activity. Um, it would be an emotional activity. We would feel. We would you know we would uh, walk in the fear of God, or we would bless His holy name. We would weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who uh, rejoice. We would lift our hands in doxology because those emotions would be engaged, and then we would obey. We would uh, would do it uh, because the volition is there also. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to drag social media into this, but you wrote it, I think, and you say that uh, some of the barriers are that the world is too much with us. I, I'd have to agree with that. You mentioned that another barrier to remembering is the, in, the influence of media on our thinking, not on what we think. That's another book you say, but how we think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the, once again, the subtitle was How to Stir Memory in an Age of Forgetfulness. And media is one of the culprits. Now, me, there's blessings from media also. Like no, there's not. You and I, you and I are experiencing <laughs> that right now. That's right? true. But there's also drawbacks, and we have to be wise, and we have to see clearly. Um, you know, Plato, so way back, we're talking like, what was he, like the year 400 B.C. or something? Mm. He was worried about the technology of his day, and what was that technology? Writing. I thought you were going to quiz. I had no answer for that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an oral world. Uh, speaking it was the way, you know, face to face, voice to voice. And then along came uh, writing. It was manuscript culture, not not typography. That was until Gutenberg. And he was afraid about writing. He he was lamenting in his writings. Hey, what is writing going to do to our memories? If we can just, you know, write everything down on a piece of paper, we're not going to have to remember anything. Okay, fast forward to the 21st century. Uh, we're way past writing with our ability to record. We have video, audio, we have our phones, we have, you know, uh, typography, we have written scripts. And so in this age of media saturation, where our first instinct is to grab our phone and take a picture of something, maybe we're losing something with the mental, spiritual ability to uh, hide the word in our hearts, mm. uh, memory in that sense. Wouldn't it be great if we just turn, uh, and instead of getting that shot of dopamine from Facebook or Twitter or see who liked our page, but to, to go and be reminded by the word of God? And to know yeah. that, you know, that would speak to the whole heart because, you know, it, you really bring up a good point that social media, if you will, I mean, since it's so prevalent, that does reinforce a lot where, you know, my value or uh, to just feel a sense of self uh, and how important those like buttons are. But to, to really know that we're in the will of God should be that role. You mentioned that the role of all this when it comes to, to preaching 
and reminding his preaching is the role of the application uh, and exhortation that it's conforming the heart and behavior to the perfect will of God. I like the way you said that. Yeah, that's the, the end game, isn't it? Uh, it, it we, we remind uh, in order to bring things to the mind, cognition, we stir uh, emotion, affect. Um, we ourselves are first stirred. We step into the waters of memory. But really, the end game is to live a certain way. That's biblical memory. Well, you mentioned something, too. You say in Deuteronomy that the Lord says, uh, remember and do not forget. And I don't mean to be cute or anything, but why does he put it that way and not say, do not forget and remember? I mean, is there a a special, I guess, um, scholarly way (laughs) that you would would address that? I, I don't know if there's a significance to that order, remember and do not forget. Mm. Uh, it, it is common. We do hear it a lot in Deuteronomy and other places. But uh, forgetting in the Bible is also a whole person activity. It's cognition. It's it's a hard-heartedness. It's, it's a forsaking. It's often used uh, in conjunction with idol worship. Do not forget the Lord your God mm. and follow, follow other gods. I'm thinking that there is a reason in that, because the last thing that you hear is do not forget. Just kind of like if you're playing football and you say, hold on to the ball and do not fumble. Yeah, so that <laughs> so, stays with you. Yeah, maybe that stays with you. But um, So were there things that you had to let go in the editing process in writing this book or were there things that you wanted to include and you didn't and uh what how do you go about writing a book like this <laughs> uh, through uh dangers toils and snares and much <laughs> tribulation <laughs> yeah i think it was samuel johnson the, the uh, british author back in the what was he the 1700s he said um There's at least three books. There's the book as it exists in the author's mind. There's the book that he actually writes, and those are not the same necessarily. And then there's the book that's actually published. And maybe even a fourth book would be the one that the reader reads and absorbs. So, yeah, to answer your question, I I did a ton of research and a lot of it ended up on the uh, editing room floor. Uh, but uh, you have the, the end product in your hands, and I'm pretty good. pleased with it. Mm-hmm. I hope the Lord will use it, and it certainly used it in my life to yes. help me uh, be a more effective reminder. Oh, yeah. No, it's, a, it's an excellent book. And uh, you even talk about, I don't know, the scientific part of it, the neuroscience behind what happens when we remember and things like that, which I find, I, I think that was interesting as well. You, um, you talk about retelling Bible stories. And I mean, all the stories are there. You're kind of saying, don't reinvent the wheel, folks. You know, there are all these great stories. Just retell these stories. And you tell people, look, you have my permission. You know, it's not plagiarism. Yeah, especially at Christmas and Easter. Those surprisingly can be uh, intimidating or tough for pastors. Like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Am I going to say this? This time, well, what you're going to say is Jesus was born of a virgin and he came to the earth at Easter. He rose again. Now, you've got to do it well. You might find an interesting angle on that or present it uh, you know, creatively, but that's the basic message, right? We don't have to 
uh, create a different message. We shouldn't create a different message. Yeah, it's true. Now, that, Michael, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but just, a, just a reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, yeah, that um, preaching uh, still uh, teaches new things. The, this book is not saying forget that. And preaching still uh, persuades and defends and, and argues, you know, in a good sense of that word. And preaching still applies the truth and moves the will and coaches behavior, you know, how, how to be a good parent or how to, how to pray and so forth. But I'm just trying to add another tool on the tool belt, and that is simply reminding people of what they already know, what they already believe. And to some extent, they're already doing. And have you had conversations with pastors and say, you know what? I never really thought about it. I mean, all this time I'm, I'm focusing on certain things, but did a light bulb go off in certain pastors' uh, minds that you spoke to? Yes, I've, I've had that experience uh, a half a dozen or so times. Pastors feel released uh, by this thought that they are commissioned to be remembrancers. That's part of the job of a, of a minister. And so they, they sort of, you know, wipe their brow. Whew, good. Glad to hear it. That's great. And so they don't have to feel inadequate or guilty or something for not uh, coming up with something original time after time. Now, in some of this, and you think of actors, the way they make their point, uh, actors are wonderful with nonverbal body language, but also the two going together, what they say and their nonverbal body language and kind of, you know, juxtaposing, you know, all that together. And uh, you kind of mentioned that that's something that the pastors have to kind of learn how to do, where their uh, nonverbal body language goes together where they're verbal. Do you think maybe pastors should take some acting classes just to kind of, I mean, they're up there. They really, they really can't be boring, can they? Well, uh, it, it would not hurt. It possibly could be very beneficial to take an acting class or, you know, a community theater, or to uh, dip your foot into the field called oral interpretation, which is like storytelling and scripture reading, poetry reading, which is close to acting, but uh, a step away from that. Yeah, we need to learn to use our faces, our hands, our posture, our body, our movement, our voices to, as you said, to match the verbal content. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess it could be painful. I mean, you being a professor and seeing some of the students get up there for the first time, you know, maybe right there in the class being watched by their peers. And uh, some are are better than others, right, at the beginning. And some can be kind of stiff. And uh, I guess they grow out of it. Or do they grow out of it? Well, it's a gift. Uh, Preaching and teaching is a gift. And so we all have a certain level of ability And as a professor, what I want to do is help the student get all the horsepower out of his or her engine that's Mm -hmm. available. And we have different sizes of engines. That's true. That's true. Something you mentioned, too, and I like the way you talk about ceremony and symbol. I'll say that again. Ceremony and symbol as tools for stirring memory. And I'm sure that people who are listening, you know, uh, from every denomination would appreciate that. It's because a lot of people, even if they don't have the theology down somehow, they have this candle lit. I remember some church, a little old lady, she said, are you going to light the candle? And uh, <laughs> these these little things, 
you know, stir up the heart. And tell us a little bit about that. How does, you know, uh, ceremony and symbol, how is that important? Yeah, well, it's instituted by our Lord, right? As often as you do this, you, you eat this, you drink this, uh, remember me. And once again, memory is a full, uh, a full person uh, activity, mind, emotion, will. So it's instituted by our Lord. And then if you go a little deeper or from a little different angle, if you look at the brain science behind it, um, when we use the sense of smell or taste or, or touch, it really does tap into different parts of the brain so that it becomes a more whole person activity. So I can talk like this, and preaching is basically talking, right? But it's not, it doesn't have to be just talking. It can be, it can, you can incorporate music, you can lay on hands, you can uh, taste and eat, uh, the Lord's Supper, baptism, uh, all of these uh, smells, like you said, lighting candles, all of these um, help us uh, engage holistically with whatever the content happens to be. That's true. And some churches smell better than others, but that's another, <laughs> that that's another true. book. That's another book. All right. So here's what I want to do in our remaining time. Okay. So I want to test your memory uh, in writing the book. And, and if you could just maybe give me one sentence or two, all right, maybe two about what reminding does. Let's start with prompts thankfulness. Mm hmm. Yes. Uh, it, it is tied into repentance because we cannot mourn what we have forgotten. Uh, memory builds community. All of us together are sharing a memory, whether it's the, the Jews in the exile or the coming back to the land or the Lord's Supper, all of you, First Corinthians, all of you, when you, plural, gather to eat. So it prompts thankfulness. It raises hope. It helps us think about the future, even though we're remembering something in the past. Uh, there's a, an aspect where you're remembering the future. Remember, he is coming back. He will bring justice to mm. the earth. So it, it does all of these kinds of things. Do, do you have the list in front of you? Yeah, I, I do. But you're doing fine. I, I thought for a minute, more. I thought you were cheating for a minute, but you, you're allowed to have your own book, you know, in front of you. But but I was going to say everything that you have said is is on that list. It prompts thankfulness, raises hope. Prompts repentance, fosters humility is another one. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Helps believers walk wisely. Warns of unbelief and disobedience. That's a big one that we find in the yeah. Old Testament. Re remember and do not forget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We have encourages belief and obedience as well and prompts mercy, which I think that we can never, as Christians, you know, be, sometimes we're not so nice. <laughs> we yeah. People are a little more you know, merciful, you know? Yeah, that one prompts mercy. Uh, I found in the Old Testament command, you're, you're probably looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have it with me. But, uh, yeah, Deuteronomy yeah. 24, 17 through 18. Uh, I'm just reading from your book, though. But Yeah, yeah. so we remember the stranger, right? Uh, remembering that we, or you Israelites, you were once strangers in Egypt. Have mercy. Remember what it's like for you guys. Mm. Have, have mercy on these other people, these foreigners. <laughs> it's so true, though. And the non-believers that you know, have mercy on that. I forget that I was a non-believer. 
Mm-hmm. at one time, and uh, forms mm-hmm. individual and communal identity. So it says here in the back of your book, we know of the preacher's roles as both teacher and proclaimer, and uh, Dr. Jeffrey Arthur's, which is you, uh, adds another assignment, the Lord's remembrance. The remembrance stirs the memory of Christ's followers, reminding them the truths that they once heard and fanning the flames of faith, which is really what we have to do every time we're not just reminded of church activity, but what this is thus saith the Lord. I mean, we haven't gotten too uh, intelligent, if you will, where we have to, we, we can't ever forget, thus saith the Lord. I love to say that because, I don't know, don't we too often we reason about things and, and the Lord says it and we have to remember it. Yeah, there's just a lot of wisdom in the simplicity of the Lord said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You can even, even take out that middle element. The Lord said it, and that settles it. That settles it. Well, we appreciate the book and helping us you know, remember, and also pastors as well. It's called Preaching as Reminding, Stirring Memory in an Age of Forgetfulness. Our special guest has been Dr. Jeffrey Arthurs, and thanks for being on the program. Great to be with you.